So, boys, we are back. Back in the West Middlesex groove. Good call on that one. Yeah, boy. I love me some Kiss, man. <laughs> so, hey, uh, midway through the song, I got an ad for Best Buy. That's why I cut out for a second. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> Anything good? No. I, I don't even know why I'm on this. I We bought a Switch for Christmas, mm. and now I'm on the ad list. You're, you're locked in now. Yeah. Now every time you try to get out of it, and then you got to go through like 90 steps, and you give up. Yeah, I'm five o- in. I'm over mm-hmm. it. I'm just in. <laughs> so guys, uh, we're at the beginning of a long weekend. We're recording on a Thursday night. You got a long weekend. The I rest of us don't have a fucking long weekend. Hey, get better jobs, buddy. <laughs> well, that hooked you right in the mouth. Oh, wow, thanks, you dick. <laughs> and then he throws a, a fly throw at me and hooks me in the face. You, you can't Jeez, hook you a fish th- that good. You, no, you're right, I can't. You threw it right in his mouth. Tomorrow off, and now you're hooking me. Hey, tomorrow, I got a I got pretty... Got tomorrow? Oh, that's right. Yeah, I got a pretty tomorrow. badass trip going tomorrow. Scott and I are going up uh, to Prescal chasing carp and uh, gar. That's what uh, this, this dude's for. Yeah. Is that a uh, gar fly? So their teeth get stuck in this stuff? Uh, yeah, I hope so. Um, <laughs> it it basically started out as a, a toe strap from work that I, I commandeered, and I just frayed the shit out of it and tied it on like a deceiver and layered it a little bit. And uh, I've never really caught one like on purpose. 
I caught one one time super drunk. Please quit messing with the headphone jacks. I'm, <laughs> things are all <laughs> jacked up now. Ah, uh, goddamn Rick. <laughs> We're blaming it on him last week. So, uh, yeah, I caught one like four years right. ago down in Maryland on like a crayfish fly. But at, since then, I've never, I haven't seen a gar. So, going to give her hell tomorrow. Do you think the ones in Erie are going to be as big as that one? Absolutely not. I don't think so either. I don't think so. Uh, but they're probably going to be, gonna you know. There's drum in there that are just huge, though. Yeah, that's what I hope. Mm-hmm. I just hope I see some fish, you know. A cool trip. It'll be fun. It's going to be fun. going to be a good time. We're not going. I'm not meeting Scott till 9, which is perfect. We're well, doing this tonight. Going to drink some you beers. You need light, so. <laughs> exactly. And uh, we're going to be in some, some back bays and well, stuff. you got an hour and a half drive. Yeah. We're going to be in some back bays. Did you so build a pulling platform? I did not. But you uh, need a spare? Because I got a bunch in the bed of my truck. Bunch of what? Eight inch spares. You need oh, one? Uh, I have one, so I should be good. Okay. Um, I did uh, make the new oar lock system in my boat, so tomorrow's going to be the virginal run on that. Nice. That should work good. It should. It should be a lot quieter. Because you remember before how they clanged and clunk, 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 where the metal was all wallowed out? So now i got the plastic. But I just got to remember, there's no pins in the bottom. i got to take the oar locks out to drive down the road. I'm ready to take that thing back down the last float we did with it. Yeah. That's a fun float to do in that boat. It is. So uh, That's the best way to musky fish, really, if you're floating is out of. The raft's great. gets you into some oh, places. Yeah, but, but you get into a real-sized drifter, especially one like you have. It's just night and day. You can actually strip the fly without throwing all your line out of the back of it. It's not all tangled mm-hmm. up. There's plenty of room. Did you forget when you had a stomping fit? Oh, I still got ta- I still get tangled everywhere. <laughs> kind of like the last time I went I musky if, fishing. Yeah, I don't know if there's a boat out there that's you know. But you know, like when I fish on like the like a raft, I don't feel like I can even fish properly because I'm so hesitant to th- really strip it hard and throw the line because it's just throwing it right out of the back of the side of it. Yeah. At least you're hitting the upper you know gunnel up close with it. That yeah, way. the the sides of my boat are so high it catches it just like a basket. Yeah, or you're not gonna fall out. The yeah. side, you know, getting yep. hooking up on one. Oh. I can see that happening. I would easily. love to see one of you guys fall out of a boat hooking up fish. Did that you be, see? That uh, would make my day. <laughs> who was that? Our boy Tolls. Oh yeah, he I got did see launched. that. I did see that. <laughs> yeah, he got launched. And luckily, someone had a camera at the time. Yep, he did too. I wish we had a camera when I sent you. Oh, we were just talking about that on our our smallmouth float oh, last week. That is the hardest I have ever stuck in a war. That's probably the hardest I've ever laughed. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> you just shot. Uh, so, uh, tonight's show brought to us by Predator Fly Gear. Check them out at PredatorFlyGear.com. Yeti, built for the wild. Eric's hooks. If you're going to tie, tie in an Eric's hook. Tonight's show is being broadcast to you live from the Urban Fly Company studios. Soon to be the new and improved UrbanFlyCompany.com. Check them out at urbanflycompany.com. we got a lot of new goodies on there next week and a lot more coming. Also, why not fishing? Check out their app, The Dock. Sims Fishing. Find all your out-there gear at simsfishing.com. I feel like we're missing one. If you need any uh, trout flies or bass flies, hit up our boy Ryan at Queen City Guiding. I think that's it. I think that was the I one. <coughs> we we should Sounds have right now. We should have a list. Just so we don't forget them. I think we're good. <laughs> if anyone doesn't know, we just do this shit from memory. We've been doing this quite a while. so uh, But our memory does forget once in a while because we're, I don't know, I'm 
five or six high lifes deep. <laughs> I'm sure Jay's the same. He got no, a porch. No, <laughs> no. I, I did this. I had some drinking yesterday, man. I got tanked last night for some, who, who knows what reason. I heard you left like five minutes before I got home. Yeah. Yeah, you met the new guy, huh? The FNG. Yeah, now you don't have to call him the 25-year-old guy I work with. Yeah. Because I've met him. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, last week, Jay was a little long-winded. I'm good, Mark. Uh, Jay was a little long-winded. Mark went on a musky trip and moved some fish, and we didn't get to hear anything about it. Um, I think we have a little bit of time to hear about it before we talk to our guest this evening. Yeah. Which guest, is? Though, Josh from Spawn Fly Fish. So there's a lot they got going on. I mean, they kind of started off with, the, you know, heads that were a lot of people kind of consider like drop jaw. And he's just grown it and grown it and grown it from there. And their heads that they use are exceptional. I've used them. Shanks, uh, every kind of material you can look for. And They carry A-Rex hooks on their website? They do, yep. So, I mean, they've got, they're, it's full functioning fly shop-wise to anything you can think of now. And a lot of products he did himself and designed up. So that'll be cool. Be fun to talk to them. Plus, they fish up in the ocean and uh, off of Washington. In so the PNW. That's going to be a little bit different. That'll be yeah, we haven't talked to anyone that does that. The closest we've come to is John Montana. Yeah, so it'll be, be cool. <laughs> fishing there, deep fishing deep. I was not fishing deep last Sunday. I was fishing in like three and a half foot of water. But I started nice and early because that's about the only way to do it now with all the weekend warriors out there running around in stupid skis and I'm telling you what, them people are relentless. They start at not far after light. You know what? When I used to wakeboard, that's what I would do. Get out there first light, wakeboard till 8 or 9, and then come back home. Well, it's like glass when you get out there early in the morning, too. You know, everything's just boom, dead. You can just fly. That's As being a fly fisherman, you'll never hear me complain about wakeboarder because Mm. I used to do it, you know? So I put in on south end, and I kind of fish my way out. I did the same pass that I did the week before whenever Macy hooked one. So at that point, the wind had already started kicking up. So I tried to work my way down. I went down past the cemetery, fished all down through there. And then at that point, the wind, and this is, I'm talking, I launched at 530. By 7, the wind was already rolling. Okay, all right. This was Saturday? This was Sunday morning. Okay, because I know Saturday was a for shit day. I had a buddy fishing Lake Erie, and he said there were eight footers on the oh, lake. Oh, it was <laughs> ridiculous. And it wasn't one of them, like, it was just like a steady, strong breeze. And at that point, I'd already lost my battery. My other battery wasn't charged. I was like, all right, I'll take the backup. Puts backup on, it charges the green 45 minutes, and it's deader than a doornail. That's great. Oh. And, and, and I pulled the a-hole move of the week, too. So I worked my way up to the north end. And I'm starting to watch these guys running blades. And I'd been working fly fast all, all morning. Just The north end's kind of shallow. Uh, when I, where I was stopping at, I was in three and a half foot. Yeah. So, I mean, I was burning everything through that morning. And I kind of made the first pass in. Fish surfaces throw out at about 40 feet. And it just turns right on. And I can see it the whole way. And it, like, swipes at it. And I'm stripping as hard as I can. Just single stripping. Not under the arm. Swipe, 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 swipe. Gets to the boat, pegs the boat, turns, gone. You're kidding me. Make the next pass up. Battery's dead, and there's a kayaker <laughs> anchored. I'm like, I'm good. Start drifting, 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 drifting right into him. <laughs> Way to go, a hole. <laughs> like, I was like, I don't gotta. He's like, I was like, I don't have a battery. 
And he's like, can't you just anchor up? I'm like, no, not for what I'm doing. Like, all right, I'll move. <laughs> and then it dawned on me. I got a battery in the back of the boat that's running my electronics right now. Unplugged it, put it in the back. I go troll it up fast. After he already moved. Way to go. <laughs> he stared me down the whole way like, you dick. I trolled the whole way back up around him, started to drift right back over again. Oh, way to go, a-hole. So on the second <laughs> trip through past him, I could kind of like see this like shadow coming through the weeds in like four foot of water. And it gets out decent fish, probably upper 30s, if not close to 40. Kind of raises off the bottom like a foot and a half. Looks at it. Boom, right back down. Gone. Like we were talking last week, how many times do you think that happens and you don't see it happen? Oh, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's got to be a lot. A I mean, there are a couple of fish were caught. I saw two caught on blades. I was going to ask about um, this. But nothing. I watched a guy work a... Works, I don't know whether it's a suic or what, but worked a glide bait for a while. He never moved a fish. I'm guessing that happens at least twice a season. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have much confidence at the moment. When you, saw those guys, <laughs> when you saw those guys running blades, did you switch to like a packerini tail or anything? I had been working that on and off all morning. Oh, okay. So I was working just regular Bufords, that, changers, and kind of going back and forth between the three. You know, They want that tail wiggle going really fast, and they want the actual packerini tail with a lot of flash. And both fish I moved were on single Bufords. With feather stripped tails? very hard. Yep. I mean, stripped as hard as you can on your left hand. Full, probably 24-inch strips, as hard as you can. As soon as you stop, by the time you get back up, give it just a quick half a second to pause there, and then boom, another one. And that's what we got both. That was the triggering, uh, triggering mechanism? So, I mean, even though you weren't, like, burning it really fast, dang near taken in line just as quick. I mean, each strip's covering a lot of water. but with Fast big, and erratic. And yep. The big lake head pushes a lot of water, kicks real hard. So, as soon as you let off, it gives them that broadside quick turn. And then it's another two, three foot they got to catch up. So, I mean, it's still moving quick. And you were fishing with the 750 head? No, I was fishing with a 550 on this one. Intermediate wasn't enough to keep it down. 750 is way too much for four foot, but yeah. the 550 at the six inch kept that perfect. As soon as I hit, I counted two, and that was enough to keep it rolling the whole way. Bury the rod tip under and go. Man, it, it's down to a science now. Uh -huh. <laughs> Speaking of that, we do have our guest. So we're going to have to call him. We're going to get a lot more into that science after. We're okay. Gonna, we're going to touch on a new musky book I opened up that... Yeah, I can't a wait to hear about this. Are, yeah, they'd definitely be interested. It's fantastic. Oh, shoot. So, uh... Oh, I had that peg perfect to stop. You can start the music. And yeah, nope. yeah. That's what happens. Nope. We'll just sit and watch Chad. This is why we don't have nice things, Chad. This is why we can't have nice... Yeah, can't have nice things. And we are back with Josh Phillips from Spawn Fly Fish. What's happening, Josh? Not much, guys. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's been a while and looking forward to catching up with you guys. Oh, man, it, it's a great time. And uh, we're, we're glad you took the time out of your schedule to join us. So uh, yep. could, 
Could you give us a little bit of background on yourself before we get into the, the spawn flyfish? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, born and raised in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and, uh, I, I kind of like said it before, but I like grew up with a rod in my hand and then like a ball at my feet. Uh, so played, uh, soccer all growing up and, uh, it allowed me to fish. Um, but my, I was born into a fishing family. My dad was the head fisheries biologist uh, in Washington State for 20 years um, and now is a director for Fish and Wildlife. Uh, he manages the entire coast of Washington. Uh, region 6 it is, is the coastal region, and then he manages all the offshore fisheries in Washington as well. Uh, so I was, I was thrown right into it from, uh, from the get-go. Uh, and yeah, so I, I've had that had that bug from day one um but didn't get to do it as much as i wanted to uh in my early years i I started playing ultra competitive soccer um and really started traveling the country uh almost every weekend starting in sixth grade um so i it didn't allow a lot of time to go on like camping trips and backpacking trips and fishing trips and uh it limited my ability to do that, but I didn't, I didn't let it slow down, uh, my like drive and will to also get on the water. So, uh, when I was fortunate enough to land my dream job as a professional soccer player after graduating from Gonzaga university, I, uh, unlike, I sh- shouldn't say all, but unlike many athletes, uh, I wasn't playing video games after practice. I had the rods ready, uh, and just headed straight into the mountains every day after practice. The coach wasn't worried too much about me going out at night. Uh, he was more worried about me climbing a mountain after practice uh, than anything. So I'd, I'd bring a rod with me on away trips. Uh, and after the game or the next morning, I'd sneak out uh, and uh, fish other areas that I never got to experience. Um, so that, that was something uh, that was really cool. And uh, soccer allowed me to do throughout the years. So I did that for five years uh, after graduation. And then uh, this is about um, about 14 months removed from the game now. So working like three jobs and uh, trying to keep this dream of spawn flyfish moving in the right direction. So, Josh, Jay and I know the time constraints that, that go into soccer. We've coached kindergarten soccer for the last two years. We, yeah. we, we know it takes a ton of time. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, 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 uh, yeah. It, my life essentially revolved around it, which which was fine. I, I would love to. It's, uh, it's a passion of mine. Uh, but it uh, it does take a lot of dedication, as does anything at, at a high level. So you're out of it now? Yep. So, uh, I played my final season, uh, for the Portland Timbers, uh, second team. Uh, and I captained that team. It was, it was a great experience. Um, but, uh, I wasn't making a lot of money. Like people, people like see my like verified check mark and just like assume that I'm like some, <laughs> some rich, like major league soccer player, which, uh, is not the case. So like, if you look up United Soccer League, uh, USL is what I played in. Uh, and then I was fortunate enough to get a, a couple call-ups for short stints of preseasons in the MLS, uh, which was really cool. But the USL is more or less a grind. It's minor league sports. So uh, you're essentially just working. <laughs> I worked at a restaurant my first 
season as a pro. So that's not something that you'd super uh, think of as like an ideal situation for uh, playing professional sports is having to go stand on your feet uh, every day in the kitchen afterwards. But no, man. And hey, yeah. the, the blue check mark doesn't mean that much. High pitch Eric from the Howard Stern show is verified. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> I do get that a lot. And they're just like, oh, yeah. He's like, whatever, man. And I'm just like, not not the case, but it's all good. Uh, so, but yeah, so that that was uh, that was fun. Uh, and I've been out of it for, yeah, just just about 14 months, I think, now. And I still, I still play here and there with my little brother i have a 13 year old brother uh so he's so so uh, we we've never we've never talked to someone who's retired from a professional sport before yeah do you stay in contact with your friends like that that are still currently playing or what what goes into being a retired athlete yeah i mean i definitely stay uh in contact and still follow their careers uh especially now because it's been really been a really bizarre year right so really (laughs) them are going into their final yeah really uh (laughs) many of them are going into their final season potentially as a pro and they still haven't even stepped on the field so uh i still talk to them all the time about what's going on and like what a players union is doing to support them uh because there's been a lot of uh like wage cuts and bonus removal and stuff like that that's going on so I still talk to them and follow them and especially some of the younger guys uh, that I that I played with and just kind of watching their career and where they're headed and what they're doing. So ma- mainly just watch, uh, stay, in, stay in contact with uh, a fair number of them that I was close with while I played. But for the most part, you're just on the outside now watching in. Uh, so not, not a whole lot uh, – different than anybody else really so what was your favorite city on if when you're out on the road what was your favorite city are you always you know you look forward to going to to fish for something oh that's a tough question i like going to salt lake city i fished every single time i went to salt lake city uh there was a couple uh couple people that would always come to the game and then take me out on the water afterwards which was really fun uh and it's just like really accessible there like it was easy to get out and fish LA was like fun the first time, uh, like fishing for carp in like inner city LA. That was it was cool. Uh, the second time uh, I brought all my gear there that we had an extended trip. I was supposed to go out and do some mako, but uh, the winds kicked in and we weren't able to do that, so that was a bummer. So instead of like most pro athletes having groupies around, you had hippies with fly rods. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I like that better. <laughs> yeah, that was sweet. I, mean, I, I got to meet a lot of cool people, and uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. I didn't get it. We didn't travel that much to the East Coast, though, uh, so I'm, I would have really liked to do that. I've never fished in Florida, um, so, but so did, or any East, East Coast for that matter. But it would have been a lot of fun. So did fly fishing start from the beginning, or did you? you know, no, no, not uh, not at all. So. I uh, grew up conventional fishing, um, and I think that it, it gives me a little bit different perspective, like we talked about earlier, on like when we're creating a product. Uh, so I grew up conventional fishing, uh, did a little bit here and there, but I didn't really, really take to fly fishing uh, until later on, so like into my 20s. So that's, and then I just hit the ground running, and now I 
like, no matter what the fishery is, I'm like trying to do it on a fly. So even when we're out like trying to catch a Chinook off downriggers, I still want have my rod <laughs> of like geared up, ready to roll if things get good. So my dad gives me a hard time about it here and there, but he's he's getting more and more on board with it the more we do and the more success we have so so when you guys are trolling chinooks with downriggers what 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 is a setup for a fly or what what are you hoping to do are you hoping you see them crashing or no 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 see so when we're out trolling in the ocean uh the times where we've had a lot of success when i've been able to take a fly rod out uh, is when my dad and his buddy uh, will be trolling downriggers uh, and they'll be picking up a ton of coho salmon prior to getting to the, the depth level that they want to catch a Chinook. So if they're the, the coho are in, in a different column of water, generally speaking. So when, when that kind of thing happens, uh, he's cool with me essentially just in the back of the boat and just bombing a fly to either side of the boat and then it literally you're just sw- essentially swinging a fly and then stripping it in because you don't have to worry about snagging on a downrigger because that that line's going straight underneath the boat so you're casting from one side to the other uh and i've and i've caught a quite a few adult toho doing that which is really fun and the boat's moving while you're doing this correct yeah okay it's just a little bit different than somebody would think about uh yeah when it's not my boat, it's not my rules, so I got I got to make do with what I can. So, now, are you running what like a full sink line then, and just trying to get it down as much as you can while the uh, the trolling yeah. essentially swings uh, it for yeah, you? Yeah, I do have a full sink line on there, but you you don't need to uh, for coho salmon out in, in the ocean. I mean, there you can catch them in two feet underneath the surface. So, so when you talk about water Jesus. columns, I mean, how deep are the cohos compared to where the kings are? Yeah, so generally if we're uh, fishing for coho, we're fishing anywhere from 15 to 30 feet down. And then the Chinook, for the Chinook, it's like 45 to 80. You know, we can mm-hmm. really, really drop it down uh, depending on the area that we're fishing. And your dad's buddy that owns the boat, the first time that you hooked the salmon with a fly no, rod. My dad owns the boat, sorry. Oh, your dad does? I'm sorry. Yep. So the first time you hooked a, a salmon with a fly rod. He laughed. What, yeah. What were their expressions? That that's got to be like the craziest thing for them for someone that's not a fly fisherman. But yeah, it was like an eight weight. I remember it. it was like an eight weight, uh, and I hook an adult uh, coho, and he just like starts screaming out. Um, and he just like kind of laughed. He he. I mean, I, we catch salmon in Puget Sound all the time on the fly, and we're not moving uh, when we're fishing for those. So he knew that we were eventually, if there was enough fish around, like it would work. Uh, but I think that day I landed uh, four or five, so that w- it was a lot of fun. Um, just w- essentially stripping a fly in after the swing, uh, and I didn't ever hook any on the swing, but on the on the strip they'd always come after it. So hmm. it was fun. I got some sweet pictures of it too. It's it was great. So speaking of Puget Sound, I mean, you notice you do a lot of also other deep fishing. W- what else do you target out there? Yeah, so in Puget Sound, I primarily target sea run cutthroat and resident coho salmon. Those are my two uh, primary targets, which is a really unique fishery. Uh, so they're just anadromous cutthroat. Uh, so they go into the streams to spawn, and then they come out into the salt water for the uh, like the majority of the year. Uh, and and it's it's a lot of fun. It's talk about like an opportunistic fish uh, in the salt water. 
there's not too many places where you can fish for trout and then have the opportunity to see a whale. Uh, and, and they are, they're just savage fish. They have so much fight. So if you can picture, or if you've caught steelhead, uh, it's more or less just a miniature version of that. They're just so, so strong, so powerful for their size. Um, and then the coho in Puget Sound, so they, they do what's called a delayed release program. So they release these coho after the fish have migrated out to sea. So these fish kind of mill around in Puget Sound uh, the entire year which makes it a really good opportunity because boho salmon are, are hard to catch. If they're, if they're there, they'll generally eat, eat your fly. Uh, if, you can, if you can cast it and strip it and uh, at least get present a fly, they'll usually, they'll usually take it. So that's, that's the other main target there. And then outside of Puget Sound, um, I fish for rockfish and then lingcod off the coast. And those are... I think one of the most underrated target species in the Pacific Northwest is black rockfish, or you can catch a bunch of other things, copper, cabazon, uh, and then if you're lucky here and there, we'll catch a lingcod. They're the fish with all the teeth and stuff? Yeah, they're a mean-looking fish. They are. Uh, so, can, so I've, can I've, you... I haven't caught a really big one of those, but I hope to someday catch one in like the 25 to 30 pound class on a fly rod. I think that'd be a blast. Can you go into your Lincoln uh, program at all? Like what, yeah. what do you do with that? Absolutely. So, uh, so we're fishing full sink lines, uh, or custom cut lines. Uh, Airflow's got a custom cut line. And then I've been playing around with some, uh, I think they're 450 grain lines from, uh, SA lately. They sent them to me to play with. I don't remember exactly uh, what they were because they weren't in a box. Um, but basically, you're using a heavy fly, not nothing crazy heavy, um, like a tenth ounce, and uh, you're fishing these these rocks. So there's this area that we like to fish, and uh, there's a a rock that comes up out of the ocean. Um, just a straight like cliff so you're casting your fly towards the rock and then it sinks and as it sinks it's going down the the uh the steep drop off of this cliff and these fish will come out of the rocks uh and just grab it and run so it's not it's not a super difficult fishery uh but it's it's to catch a lingcod on the fly is, is definitely a unique opportunity because there, it's not easy uh, in that you'll have to spend a lot of time doing it. We don't catch as many of them out there uh, on the fly as you do using like a live anchovy or something like that. I'll, I'll tell you, I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a blast. It's I don't really care how cool. many you catch. Black, the black rockfish, you literally, I think I can outfish somebody uh, for black rockfish with a live anchovy just because a lot of times you're uh, those those fish are suspended, so when you're using a fly, you're sinking it's at a at a sink rate that that I'm using, and you're stripping it through the column where they're suspended off the bottom. Whereas an anchovy or a jig, you're dropping it straight down, and it plummets through that zone where they're suspended off the, off the bottom, uh, and they just go ballistic. It's so much fun. It's it's kind of like calico fishing and smallmouth combined. So are you catching the majority of these fish on the strip or while it's descending down oh, the cliff yeah, wall? The strip. So, yeah. 
and they'll chase it too. So you can, if it's a good day out there and it's flat and you just pass to the rock and let it count to 10 or 15, start stripping it in. You can see them uh, sometimes if they haven't got it yet before it's got to the boat chasing it. It's really cool. How deep of water is that there? They're usually, usually catching them in probably, uh, I don't know. The, wa- the water, so the water goes from the rocks out of the water, and then it's like 100 feet deep, uh, like 50 feet away from the rock. So you're casting it to the rock, and it's just sinking down that. So it's, it really depends. So you can, you kind of have to like feel it out as you uh, uh, are fishing. So you'll just, if you don't catch one, uh, on the first cast, I would just say like add another five seconds to the wait time and let it drop a little bit farther. And then once you find that zone and get them going, then, then you're then you're gonna be in it. And we know uh, saltwater fish fight harder than all our other freshwater brethren. What what do you throw? Are you throwing eight weights, nine weights for the lingcod and the rockfish? Yeah, I have an eight and a ten out there usually. Um, but I, I like to use my eight weight. Uh, the black rockfish will really, really give it a go on an eight weight, and then a cabazon and lingcod will really run. Um, but eight, eight or ten is what I, I would recommend. So I know some people that have caught some black rockfish on six weights, and that, that would be that would be wild. But if you were to hook a lingcod or a cabazon, you'd probably, it would snap. <laughs> yeah, you would just break, or it'd spool you. Like if you couldn't. I'm usually using like a 30 or 40 pound maxima uh, liter, and like if you, I don't know if you ever use the line, but if you like casting a six weight and you were to hook something behind you and double haul it forward, you'd snap your rod. It's not gonna. Yeah, we we do that quite frequently. Break. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, I'm going carp fishing tomorrow with a six weight butter stick, so I know what you mean. Yeah. We're gonna. <laughs> Try to you try to break it. Breaking a rod then too. Yeah, I'm gonna try to break it. <laughs> nice. Um, so when you do catch the lingcod and the the black rockfish, they're great table fare, aren't they? Are you guys whacking so, them or are you guys releasing them? Yeah. So there's there's a, a limit to the size of a lingcod that you can keep, um, but black rockfish you're allowed five per person. Um, and, and I do usually harvest those when I'm out there, depending on how how many we catch. Uh, we usually let them go and then decide we want to like three or four at the end of the day uh, to eat for the next week or two. Um, but no, you, you're not, you're not going to just harvest your first five fish, generally speaking, just because then your day is going to be over in 20 minutes. So, and I want to, I want to like fish all day. Yeah, I don't blame you one bit. Well, you guys catch a significant amount of fish, then, huh? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, if you get into a, yeah. a big school of black rockfish, you can almost catch one every other cast. And, um, I don't know how to describe it. Can you describe a black rockfish? How how big are they? How how much do they weigh? How hard do they pull? Uh, in comparison to let's say a coho salmon. You know what I mean. Just, yeah, it's, it's a base different. reference. Yeah, it's it's more like a bass. Okay. So it's like a saltwater bass, essentially, is what it is. Um, and I think the state record is just under ten pounds. I've never caught one close to that. Uh, and but yeah, they fight a lot 
I would say like a combination between a smallmouth and a calico bass. Okay. So there, it's a, uh, it's a little different than uh, a calico bass, and then you're not gonna hook it like right in the rock, so you don't have to. It's you don't have to drag it out of the rocks because these the black rockfish are suspended, like I was saying. So they can you can let them run a little bit, uh, but eventually they will go for for cover, just like a smallmouth or or a calico will. Hmm. So, looking at a picture a, of it right now. It's more or less. It's just a saltwater bass, so it's really strong. Checking out the picture on your Instagram right now. That's, that's a cool fish. I'm trying to think of when I posted one. Uh, it looks like sometime in June. Yeah, June 23rd. I got one up there. And so you can see that lighthouse in the back. June so, 23rd. Hold on. Oh, okay, gotcha. Now, now we're at it. Okay, we're looking at it. Yeah. So if you see that lighthouse, so the water breaks. And if you if you're even fifty feet off that, it it goes down to eighty to a hundred feet. So you're fishing like a cliff essentially. That's cool. And so, uh, do you use any of the spawn heads to get the fly down? Yep, and I use uh like our shank bank. So that was originally what those were uh, like invented for. We hold a provisional patent on that. Uh, so that idea of an articulated fly that we're going to send down and we need to get it deep and deep fast uh, is what we're going to use there, especially if the current's moving at all. I'll switch to one of those. Um, but the spawn head is, is really, really productive for that type of fishery. And the shank bank is the 90-degree the shank with the, the lead head on it? Yep, exactly. So. Okay. So can you give a... a an idea of how you came up with those um I, I know you just said for these uh these fish but what what went into the r&d yeah so so like i said earlier I've, I've done a lot of conventional fishing uh and for me if you've uh if you ever uh, like twitch and jig style for for coho salmon i don't know if you ever done that so you basically tie in a marabou jig uh, and you're fishing in the rivers for coho salmon. And coho sa- uh, salmon, uh, in my experience, like like to nip at things. Um, and that it made sense that I need I wanted the articulated. So a lot of my flies are like single articulated, um, and I want that stinger style hook in the in the salt water for for many of the fisheries that I'm targeting. So that made sense to me. I was like, well. If we want it to get deep, we want the jig style oriented uh, fly, but uh, we need it to get down and we want a stinger style hook. This was just what made sense. Um, and, and there's, you see like the, there's some clips that people use um, where you can like clip a weight on the front of a, of a lure or a jig, I guess. And they're, they're starting to do it with fly. I think Caroline has a product. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's essentially a tungsten bead that you can clip on in front of the eye of mm. any fly. Um, but we wanted something that you wanted to tie in, and they, they came out with that at a similar time. I remember when we pitched this idea to Hairline, uh, they showed me that product. Um, but we wanted something that you, you had to tie. So you can't just... You couldn't just fish this as a jig. You can stick a like a grub on it or something like that, you'd have to tie something into it. Um, so that's where that, that one came for. And we, and then 
we took it a step further. We were like, we need, we need it to be uh, a stinger style hook, but then I also needed to get down fast for fisheries like lingcod and rockfish. So that's where that one came from. And it's been, it's been really productive. And I think this year will be more successful than it was uh, last year because it'll give some people a chance to tie up flies for uh, coho and uh, other things as they move into the rivers. And are people using those in the rivers for swinging flies, or are they they strictly casting and stripping them back and jigging them as they come back? Uh, yeah, so they're swinging our 90-degree shanks, but they're not usually swinging anything with a weight on it. Uh, but conventional guys are also using them. Uh, so it's like a crossover product. So conventional guys that are tying flies will use that product uh, all the same as a, as a fisherman would, or as a fly fisherman would where he's going to cast it and strip it in. But the conventional guy's just going to uh, reel it in and twitch it. That that was my next question because I know a shitload of crappie guys around here that would use that and just jig it on top of a pine tree. You know? Yeah. Because you we can, actually we had a bunch of people ice fish with them too, which was really cool. Yeah, man. Like the tenth ounce ones, they were just ice fishing with them in the wintertime, and that was it was sweet to see uh, how people were implementing those products. And do you get a lot of feedback from your customers of like fish pictures with uh, the you spawn fly fish products? Yeah, we do, and it's it's really cool. Uh, and I mean, it's it's more than cool. It's amazing because uh, at this point, like I have to live vicariously through. Like I I do get out and fish quite a bit, but to travel to all the places that our products have have gone is not something that's uh, that's available for me at this point in time. So it's it's really cool to see people uh, and how they implement their pro our products in their local waters. It it's really really special, honestly. We get a lot of it. So like every day somebody's catching something and tagging us in it and sharing how they were successful or how they implemented it. All right. So, um, so can we get to your heads a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Um, how did you guys get the, the original head shape? Were you yeah, so we catching bait fish? And... Uh, we, we needed something that was going to push a lot of, a lot of water and we wanted to mimic, uh, species that were that were already out there so we needed something that was going to uh push a lot of water give a realistic element um and, and then and then also be a way to finish a fly or hold materials into a fly depending on the, the predatory species that you would target so that's that's where that stemmed from and uh we we wanted to uh what's the word for it just like pro provide a provide an opportunity for people uh to use a product like this uh at a at a more cost effective and uh way that we thought we could build one that would that would be uh, more accessible and productive to the everyday angler no oh, i was gonna ask uh, how long uh <clears throat> like the r d and to you know make a product like that how long does there's the time, you know, that you took. Yeah, the... so that's something that people ask us all the time because they, at this point, we get a lot of people that message us with new ideas for a head or a shape, and uh, something like that's going to take the 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 bare minimum for any product that you're going to put out, from testing it to manufacturing it to designing it, I at least eight months, six months at the bare minimum. Uh, and for something like that, it took us over a year 
to, to re re uh, create what we wanted to really make uh, in our season two heads was it was a long process and we wanted to make sure we got it right. So can can I ask, um, are you guys three D printing the heads or? Uh... Nope. So we we injection mold. So okay, it's a little bit better of a process when you're going to bring something to mass market. Uh, it's also a little more durable. So, and and you can just you can just go so many more directions with it uh, as far as uniformity and uh, production, I guess, is the big, is the biggest thing. So it's a two part injection mold uh, that we designed. And injection mold, are you um, painting them or how, how's the color come out after that afterwards? Yeah. So the, uh, when you're injection mold something, it's, it's dependent on the pellets that you put in. So, we use an ABS recycled plastic for all of our painted heads. And then we use what's called a virgin plastic for any of our clear heads. Okay. Uh, so when it comes out, it's white. Uh, it's, it's like an electric white, I guess. It, it has UV properties to it. but uh, And then we're painting it from there. By hand? Yep. Everyone's painted by hand. So we design the color schemes, uh, and then we outsource that now. Okay, I was gonna say, God bless you, man. Playing soccer and painting heads. <laughs> no, oh yeah, I had I, I have an eye or we sent them over recently. We've got new Iwata airbrushes and sent them over. So hopefully here pretty soon we'll have like an even next level of uh, intricacy to the, some of these products. Awesome, man. How many different sizes of the plastic heads do you guys run? Five. So we have five five styles, um, and we're looking to expand that, but. Uh, we're we're not sure as to when that when that will happen. It's expensive, like it's really expensive. People don't understand. Oh yeah, man. Created <laughs> with, because like, I I'm like I said I'm not we're not one off, uh, 3D printing these. So when you design a mold like that, mold cost is very expensive. Uh, and then to tweak it at all, uh, is even even more expensive. So, and then when you're doing something like that, you can't just order one. So, so I have to order thousands of them. So injection molding, are you guys actually doing that, or are you sending that out to someone? Like, yep. Do you, so do you guys uh, have an injection mold so the, like in your basement? We own the mold, so the, mo- the okay. mold is ours, and then we send that to a plastics manufacturer. Okay, I was going to say, like, how does someone get into something like this? That, that's really cool. Yeah. So my. Uh, one of my best friends, a college roommate of mine that played uh, at Gonzaga soccer, he is uh, an unbelievably smart human being, and <laughs> he designs products for Nike. So he, we can we can create something really really uh, like intricate and next level, I guess, uh, in house. So. He helps us out with all that. We sit down with him. We're actually working on a new product with him right now, and he's uh, going to come up from Portland this weekend, so it'll be a lot of fun. Are you going to put the swoosh on your next head then? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> just, I would like use some of their resources, though. They have some They have some really cool 3D printers. They like 3D print a full shoe before they bring it to life and stuff like that, which is nuts. Really? That, that's incredible. So, huh. That's impressive. But, yeah, we have we have, we got a good team of smart people around us, which has been really helpful in what we're trying to accomplish. So then, you also have some heavier metal heads, right? 
No, we don't have any any metal heads that are uh, that we, we sell like fish skull heads. Okay. Or we had we had the we have a discontinued now that I think so we have a we have a discontinued head, but we don't we don't bring those to. Uh, you don't do that anymore. Lead, yeah, no, that was just no. a. I love that philosophy. Yeah. thing that we tried to do and it didn't work out. So no, we don't have that. I wouldn't even consider that a product anymore of ours. Okay, I'm sorry. I was just wondering if that was coming yeah, from the same molds or. Well, I fished the crap out of that thing. Yeah. The deep threat, the deep threat head. Yeah. Yeah, those things were. Those they work. Really popular. Uh, just like overall not a good product that we wanted to continue to put our name behind. Uh, we had a bunch that's of, understandable. We had issues though. with it, so. Yeah, you, you've got a lot of different areas that you're kind of subject to being able to use that too. Yeah. So, it was a cool. It was a cool idea, uh, but we need to refine it. Speaking of other ideas, have you guys looked into like any other parts of the fish, like trying to imitate or? mold out like tails or anything else you know no not really uh we we've looked and uh played with some different things but there's nothing that's been uh something that we've wanted to, to take on um we we design all of our own shanks which is which has been really popular especially our our jig shanks the 90 and 60 uh those have been extremely popular but outside of that as far as parts of a fish though we haven't uh we haven't and it's not something that's super compelling uh at this point for something we want to get into are you guys hand bending the shanks or do you guys have like a machine that, that does yeah it? that's machined yep so we had to machine that too oh uh, god bless you i i bend shanks by hand and it really sucks <laughs> no yeah yes yeah. yeah, so did we and i was like this is we got to we got to fix this. So we, we machined that. Um, uh, yeah. And we tested a ton of wire gauge strengths for that. That was a long, that was a long project. So we like worked in, in secret on that project for a really long time before we launched it. And we teased a picture of it when we were at IFTD. That was the first time we posted a picture of it. And it was, it was really cool to see the response that we got from that product. So, we understand the 90 degree heads are mainly like jig head style flies. Um, yeah. What, what's the 60 degree head mainly used for? Yeah. So, uh, the, the, the biggest difference. So there's a, there's a difference in the, in the strip and the jigs, uh, how it's going to move in the water. But for me as an angler, I wanted, uh, something to fish di- different columns. So in Puget Sound, when I'm fishing a bait, a bait fish pattern uh or a squid pattern i'll use a 60 degree so it's it's not as an exaggerated jig uh but if i'm fishing a shrimp or something that's going to be right on the bottom i'll fish a 90 degree just just the movement difference of like a, a more buggy or crustacean pattern versus uh like an actual fish movement that's just like bouncing through the center column uh whereas like a shrimp's going to dart up and then back down have you guys ever thought about making, uh, like, let's say a 26-degree head or shank so people can tie D&Ds on articulated but single-hook flies? Yeah. yeah, so we have a bunch of people that have done them on the 60s, um, and we tested some different uh, different like angles there, So, but, the, but the, there wasn't – it's tough to bring a new skew like that to market that – 
that I can really tell somebody is going to be a significant difference. No, that's totally fine. That that's great to hear. You know, why, yeah, I don't want why we, buy we, this when we have this already in stock. You know, yeah, exactly. We don't want to be in the business of creating a million colors because not you don't fish a million colors. So like everything's got to have a purpose. Uh, so that's something that we we've tried to stay strong with. Um, and why and why we're going to do it. So it seems like a lot of your focus is based off of your own personal use there so that you can test it and move it. Yeah, definitely. Uh and I th- and I think that's something that's that's been able to help uh us us move in the right direction is the fact that all of the products we truly fish. And there's a uh, lot to be said for that. Easily talk about them and why I use them and and, and I fish a lot, so it's easy to understand uh, how people are looking to be successful in other parts of the world. So it's, it's been a lot of fun uh, in that retrospect. Well, and the nice part with that is, too, is then you have someone that reaches out to you. Here's what I'm looking to do. Yeah. You're, you're able to direct them because, I mean, they're built for a reason. And you, you're the reason they're built for. So it's not like you're taking information and moving it. You're actually fishing these, using them. You know what they're used for. So, I mean, you find that, I mean, like, are a lot of people all over the world kind of using them for kind of same situations, or is it it different kind of aspects? I mean, what do you you kind of find coming with them? Yeah, uh, they they do, they do, I do, I do get surprised, like, constantly with how somebody's looked at one of our products and been like, oh, this is how I want to implement this on my local waters, or this is why, uh, but, but for the most part, I think that a lot of a lot of the stuff that we do as anglers uh, around the world, there's 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 similarities. Um, there's differences and there's similarities, but there's a lot of similarities uh, between fisheries that that if somebody is, is an avid fisherman can see and understand and look at look at that and be like, oh, this is that's going to work and this is how I'm going to use it. And especially once we explain to them how we're using it here uh then they're able to take that and implement it in their own waters uh with a with a slight twist so speaking of uh waters from around the world what are some cool fish that you've seen that have been caught using your products i think there's been 150 species caught so i don't know what at this (laughs) at this point there's not too many that haven't been caught honestly uh heck yeah man we haven't had a tame in caught. That'd be really cool, but every, uh, most of the other species have been checked off the list. Got the arapaima um, on there too. Say that again. You got the arapaima on there too. Oh no, that's a, that's a different. That's yeah. So maybe like the billfish and arapaima or I don't even arapaima. How do you say it? That's good enough. Yep. Close <laughs> enough. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have enough. Ri- I don't have enough rich friends that are going to go into the Amazon. <laughs> Neither do I. So, Neither do we. We got like Kid Rock, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> or, not actually him, but like our friends are like him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, like it, it's cool because even people around the world now are like buying products. They're seeing what we do with them here, and then they implement them uh, there. So our products have been really uh, popular in South America as of lately. And it was really interesting learning why and, and how. And, and the guys that are 
are using a lot of them are, are talking about not only does it push water uh, and give it that realistic element, but they're talking about how some of these species destroy a fly that you spend an hour tying. So you're tying this giant streamer uh, for, say, like a big golden dorado or some of the other species vampire fish that they have down there. And it just they just obliterate the fly like after one use, like the head of it just gets destroyed by the teeth. Um, and we shared a picture recently of, of a spawn head that uh, caught 11 golden dorado is what he said. Huh. So it's, just, it's like it's it's just holding strong. It's all like you can see all the teeth marks over it. And it's that all the materials are still still there. Like they haven't got completely shredded off. And he attributes that to to uh, that head holding all the materials in place. That's pretty impressive. That was going to be my next question. How was the durability on like Dorado or Peacock and stuff like yep, that? Yep, that's why we that's injection awesome. mold. So that's that allows it to be really, really durable. Uh, and they test like the tensile strength of, of plastic. So uh, a virgin plastic is a little bit more durable, but it's not something noticeable. So you can take one of these spawn heads and say you're fishing in uh, like bass or something, and you can just bounce one off of a rock right into the water and uh, it's going to hold strong. So we know how Jay casts over here. Oh, right into the rocks. Yeah, he casts on the rocks every every freaking time. Or or the bridge pillars. Oh, I smack <laughs> it right off the side of the bridge pillar. Yeah, there you go. So this this one, I'll send I'll send you some, uh, and you can you can, <laughs> give me the feedback out of them. how many yeah. pillars you what, hit. What about trees? How do they how how will they come down out of trees? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll stay up in there. So you gotta make sure to <laughs> they make great great ornaments, right? Ornament, yeah, it might become a Christmas tree before you know it. So, <laughs> so um, hey, can we ask about the ninety degree shanks a little bit? Um, yeah. The what's what do you lose with a ninety degree bend? Um, do you lose any strength with that, or does it does it bend for, out for on the shank of itself? Yeah, on on the shank itself. No, so uh, and usually you're sticking a bead there, so the bead is going to continue to hold that into place. Um, but depending on the, so we have two different wire gauges that we used uh, that we came up with. Uh, both made out of stainless steel. Uh, so we have one that we that we recommend for saltwater fishing. Uh, that starts at 20 millimeters, and that's a thicker gauge stainless steel wire. So you're like a uh, 031 on something like that, or you guys still a little more than that? Say that again. Is that like an 031 or? It's a 0.9 millimeter gauge wire is what we use. 0.9. So we okay. do, uh-huh. yeah. So it's it's not giant, mm-hmm. but uh, that's yeah. how. We measure them in the millimeters. We gotta get the conversion sheet out. Yeah, I'm trying to think conversion wise <laughs> here. So, and then the um, the others is a point seven. So for the okay. smaller size. Okay. But uh, but no, and, and if if you think about uh, any articulated fly with a with a stinger style hook, so it the it acts as a, it's like on an access point, right? So the, so the tension isn't going to be focused on one part of the shank. So it, it's going to move, I guess, if that makes sense. So it's, it's never had any issues of being bent out or bent or angled because of uh, the shank. Yeah. Like I said, I, I saw your, your shanks and I tried to mimic one. And I was like, I don't know. I'm kind of scared of this, but Knowing, yeah. knowing that you guys did it and it it's proven well, I uh, I might just buy yours instead of making them because it, it's really really like a tedious and stressful. 
Yeah, and that's and that's what uh, I mean. We we just released every size from twenty down to nine millimeter. I don't know if you saw that. And a lot of it is because we we too made our own shanks. And the one thing that we missed making our own shanks was the customization of it. So we were just like, oh well, if we're gonna taper these, like we we tapered the wire gauge on the nine through twenty. I was like, well, if we already have this set up, like might as well just make every size so that even the guys that already make them are just like, yeah, that looks a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, one hundred percent. And would you sell that like in a kit? So we can tie our own game changers yeah, we, just from we your do kit. sell it in a kit. So we sell them Hell 180 yeah. pack of shanks and then 60 pack of shanks, sizes 9, all the way up through 20. So we do 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and so on. Yeah. Hell yeah. That, <laughs> that's awesome. So do, yeah. you get, do you take these out in freshwater and inland much too, or are you just pretty much testing everything out in the salt and open? No. Yeah, I test them. So uh, – I do a lot of bass fishing, so I did a ton of bass fishing too in uh, in the Portland, Greater Portland area, and then I do quite a bit of largemouth bass fishing here uh, in Olympia. But we don't have too many uh, phenomenal smallmouth right here in the area, and then Eastern Washington's uh, like has is going through a tough time right now with uh, COVID, so I've kind of stayed away from Eastern Washington. But they also have some really good warm water opportunity over there. Um. Smallmouth is our, our bread and butter. Is is that a native fish out there? Say that again? Uh, I said smallmouth. That's our that's our bread and butter. Yeah. Is that a native fish out there for you guys? It is not. Uh, and it's, in fact, a fish that they put a target on. So I don't. I think that there's no limit uh, on the Columbia. So you can harvest as many as you want. So they're trying to get them out of waters that have anadromous fish in them. Huh. Uh, they apparently put the hurt on salmon small and steelhead small they put the so, everything. Uh, they're they're trying to combat that, but essentially, from what I understand, is when you put a smallmouth in a in a lake or a river, it's it's almost impossible to remove them. Yeah, that's they breed so so proactively, and uh, they eat just everything. They're always pissed off, man. Yeah, they're they're, they're, a, they're, they're like the awesome. shitty guy at the end of the bar, you know. Yeah. Always talking <laughs> shit, throwing fists. Yeah, the club is loaded with them. It's super fun. Like uh, anywhere above the Dalles, uh, you can just catch them behind every rock and hold one. So. That's a, do you keep them and get them out of there, or you put them back? No, no. I I don't I don't know if I've ever ate a smallmouth bass. Uh, I'm pretty spoiled here with coho and chinook and rockfish and lingcod and tuna. So it's it's not something that. Uh, is really on my on my list of fish to keep and eat. That, I don't I don't know. And maybe they're good, I don't I don't, but it's just not no. something that I've ever done. If you have that option, I wouldn't keep one at all. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest. If I was sitting here with you know listening, saying, okay, I got lingcod or bass, no, I'm gonna. Uh, I bought sweetbreads the other day. I would keep a smallmouth bass. Do you know what sweetbreads are? Yeah. Yeah, the the gland in a cow's throat. Yeah, I bought that. So I would have keep smallmouth bass. But we don't have what he's getting to keep and eat. <laughs> but I could also buy Our cow. options are limited. I could buy a T-bone. <laughs> so we, we go to catch muskie and then stop on the way home to buy fish to eat. Exactly. I've never done that before. I would like to do that. Yeah, I've well, never been muskie fishing. You ever make it out this way, you're always welcome. I know. Well, we got a lake. There's one lake here in western Washington that's got them. Uh, do you guys get the tiger muskies, right? 
Say that again. You guys get the tiger muskies, correct? Yeah, tiger muskie. So. You never took the time to try that? I need to. I need to go down there and do it. It's just not something that's usually this time of year. Uh, I'm out on the in the salt water, so, and then in the in the winter I'm fishing uh, Puget Sound the most. So I just need to I just need to make a trip down there and spend a little time and learn the water and go for it. So do you do this the steelhead game at all in the Olympic Peninsula? So I went twice this year. Uh, I tell people that my dad like ruined me for steelhead fishing because he was a steelhead fanatic. Uh, and he used to drag me out as a little kid steelhead fishing, like into the snow and rain. And just every time I'd hook one, he'd take the rod out of my hands. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like I just have this, yeah, they're an amazing, they're an unbelievable fish and a, and a lot of fun to catch. Uh, but you I think- just like have like, you couldn't give a shit. Like memory in my head. That's just like that was not fun, Dad. Like, so maybe someday I'll get over it. And maybe when he's he's bold to not let me take the rod out of his hand, I'll get into it and then be, return the favor. Uh, but uh, you should take him. Do you should take him steelhead fishing and then pull the Scooby Doo rod out of his hand. Yeah. No. Exactly. That's that's got to be the game plan. Is just wait till he gets a little bit older and then become a steelhead sicko and. <laughs> But, uh, That's... yeah, no, I don't do a lot of it. I, I, I know my, a couple of my buddies do it a lot. Uh, and they like drug me out. Well, I think it was last year and I caught one in like the first like 20 minutes and they were so salty about it. Cause they had been like 10 times prior and not got one. Um, so that was pretty fun. But other than that, I, I don't do a lot of steelhead fishing. I had, a, I had a similar situation growing up. My dad was a steelhead fanatic, and he used to drag my ass out there four or five years old every weekend to go in the rain, snow, whatever it was. I slept in the car a lot, but... <laughs> That's because you fell in the river, Jay. <laughs> yeah, well, hey. I didn't want to be out yeah. there. I was afraid of gold. But, uh, that, was, that was his game plan. I'm going to fall in the river so I don't have to stand on a fucking stream. I can go yeah, sit in the car. Exactly. <laughs> I just remember just being just miserable too. Yeah. So I don't I don't steal fish as much as we used to as well. But, so Josh, uh where can people go find uh spawn products? Yeah, so we we now sell spawn products and almost ten thousand other products on our website now at spawnflyfish.com. Uh and then our heads non-painted so any of our blank heads uh are wholesaled and as well as distributed uh as well as all of our shanks are distributed as well so any hairline dealer has uh access to our products um so like essentially every fly shop in the nation now um i would i would assume has access to some hairline product or another which would mean that they also have access to ours but uh a lot of the products that we have, like as a, like our painted heads and some of our twitch shanks and shank banks, those are only available on our website. And which which is spawnflyfish.com? Spawnflyfish.com. Yep. So. Heck yeah, man. Hey, is there anything that we haven't hit on that you'd like to hit on, Josh? No, I mean, how how are you guys doing? How's how's everything going with the uh, with what you what you guys are up to? How's the podcast and 
Oh, we're doing good, man. Doing through the do, doing through this time and everything like that. Everything's good. Yeah, man. We uh we did three podcasts remotely with us and uh yeah, it was three or four. Three yeah, or least, four, yeah. and they really sucked. Um, not that the quality of the show was bad, but it just wasn't the same. It wasn't four of us in a room drinking beers together and talking to a dude like you. Yeah. You know, and it it was just. It was weird, but now we're back together, and uh, Pennsylvania just enacted a masks anytime you leave your house rule. So, yeah, we got that here in Washington, too. Yeah. Um, we're we're, we're lucky enough to live in the middle of nowhere. None of us are at our own house at the moment, and none of us are wearing masks, <laughs> just so you know. And, uh, there you go. <laughs> but we're all drinking beers and sitting here talking to you. Um, nice. Life is good today. It is good today. Um, there, there's not a lot we can complain about. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, Jay and Mark have to work tomorrow, which they can complain about all they want. I'm off. So it's a good day. (laughs) Big plans for the fourth. Um, yeah, man, we got fires and fireworks, fires, fireworks and beers, hamburgers and beers. Yeah, yeah. Carp, right? You said you're going carping? Yeah, yeah, I'm going carp fishing tomorrow. Jay's going to his camp. You're going to do a little bit of blue lining? Yep. Yeah, I think so. Or maybe throw some gear for some muskie. Who knows? Nice. So, yeah, a man. couple options up there. Do you, be fun. do you guys do blue lining out there? In, like, uh, trips up the mountains? Looking for uh, trout? Say that again. I, I, you cut out there. I'm sorry. Do you guys do blue lining out there? Do you trips up the mountains looking for trout? I missed the last part. Do you tra- traipse up the mountains looking for uh, trout? Yeah, so I went I went last weekend up to Mount Rainier to hike into a lake to catch some brook trout. But other than that, it's not in western Washington we don't nearly have as many lakes. So like the North Cascades would probably be the closest place for us to go. It's it's so much different than it was in Colorado where we would just like go for it into the backcountry and uh, catch these big cutthroat. But outside of that, in Western Washington, we don't do a lot of that, uh, or at least I don't do a lot of that. I know some people do, but it's not something that's super super popular here in Western Washington. I don't feel bad for you if you're climbing up Mount Rainier. No, I mean it's not as bad. <laughs> you can drive you can drive a long ways up there. But like the Olympic Peninsula on a map, if you're ever like looking on satellite, there's not a lot of lakes. Okay. Uh, so. And the lakes that there are, they're like really big ones, like Lake Lake Quinault. It's a pretty big lake. It's not something that you'd hike into. You can just drive right up to. Um, so no, it's it's kind of a bummer because I I loved doing that in Colorado. It was a lot of fun. But. So, do you? Uh, I'm sorry. Um, you you have some buddies that are in the spawn fishing with you, right? So they they're not they don't live in Colorado. We're all local here in Washington. You're all local in Seattle now or Washington area. There's one guy, uh, Blue River Flies. I don't know if you follow him on Instagram, but uh, he lives in uh, Sholo, Arizona. Actually, as a matter of fact, I think we just uh, the SVS page just started following him this week. Nice, yeah, he's he's an awesome dude. Really, really knowledgeable, and uh, yeah, if you ever get the opportunity to talk to him or learn something from him, he's he's a he has a plethora of knowledge on anything fly time. Hmm. Alrighty, man. Well, hey, we're going to cut her off right about now. And uh, we will. Awesome. Co- 
And what? No, I said awesome. Yeah, I appreciate. I really appreciate it. Oh shit! Who's that boss? Everybody move to the back of the boss. Do you want to bump and slump with boss? Be the type of people make the club get full. Who's that boss? Everybody move to the back of the boss. Do you want to bump and slump with us? We the type of people make the club get full. Many of them have had. Keep it going, man. Keep it going. Keep it going. I that part. I love me some outcast, bro. Oh, jeez. So, hey, we were talking just earlier, you know, uh, we'll get into Mark's, you know, important talk here in just a second. Uh, so we, we got some shenanigans now? We were, we were, uh, no, we, you were talking about the FNG, you know? Yeah. That I'm working with. And, uh, man, the music has changed, man, around, around the area. He's like, I was like, you listen to Outkast? Oh, I love Outkast. Perfect. <laughs> you know? We have No Effects Friday, which turned into No Effects Wednesday as well, I guess. <laughs> so, and the, and the, like I said, it's mostly just a bunch of punk rock music, but... You know, it, the, the only thing about it, and the only reason I do like do like the country, and we just started out with country for half the day this morning, and so he likes everything, but it's just funny. It's just, it's uh, you know, you get a little more like uppity vibe in the afternoon, you know? I like it a little more. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man. I, we've been I, listening to a lot of different crazy old stuff. I can't say shit because I listen to him talk all day, every day. He asked about podcasts. Hey, you mind listening to podcasts? Has anyone with this one? <laughs> I love it. I, love it. I, said, I don't want to listen to myself. <laughs> Jesus, no. I listen. I've listened to one of ours fully in the last year and a half. It was the last Tommy episode because I. I it's one more than two of us combined. Yeah. I know, but it, he just said so much shit that oh. I didn't comprehend. I was so drunk at the time. Him and Willen. The last last yeah, one with Willen yeah. was. Uh, I I should go back and listen to that. One. Yeah, I I would agree. Mm-hmm. I I took I took a lot of the stuff from the Willen one, like and and a lot of the stuff. You've put a lot of that to use lately, haven't you? Well, not the no, just not even in Muskie, just in fish and how they mm-hmm. attack things in general. The like predatory. His his what he was talking about absolutely. about like never ever uh, figure eight upstream. Which is also like what Kelly's talking about. You're fishing downstream, either right across yourself Directly or across. always downstream. Like that predator is not. They they know prey's not gonna swing right up next to him and fucking hey how you doing giant brown or giant musky. They just they get it. Like, and not every situation's the same, but you know I think that's you know those two things kind of correlate in a predator, like a predator that wants to eat some meat on no matter what size. I think you're right. I don't know. Uh, it's just something I like. Even seeing it, and like I'm talking, like when we were on the guided trip, like I was always fishing, like back down to myself, and fish were just <laughs> suckering the shit out of it. And it's like, man, it makes sense. It, it makes sense. It uh, makes a, sense. A fleeing, it, it, a fleeing it, it, bait fish is not going to go upstream because they have to fight current now, and now that fish has all the advantage. If they go downstream now, they can just be as sporadic as possible and get the hell away. It's not only that, but it's, there's another big thing. That's actually the only opportunity in your situation, let's say, where you were out in Montana. That fly is working correctly. 
Think about it. That fly is not doing what it's supposed to do unless it is in direct contact with the end of your fly rod. The guy said that, too. Not the current. Yeah. Not the swing. Yeah. That fly is designed and meant to be mm-hmm. in direct contact with the end of the mm-hmm. rod. And that's that way that fly is fishing, and that bug is working like it should in the column. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, it's acting like a real whatever it is, bait fish, minnow, crayfish, anything. Yeah. That way, you're in direct contact, and it is working the whole time. So, Jay, you were in the back of the boat. Did you do like Tommy no, said? No, I, I wasn't. No, my dad was in the back of the boat. Your dad was, did he All do like, day. Did he do like Tommy said and do the bow line cast with a lead-eye fly? We were fishing something with weight on it. Yeah, but did, time. did he do the bow line? I think the guy talked about it to him, and mostly, it, but it was... At the, to- at the time, we were talking about... Um, there were a ton, a ton of bugs pushing up into like all the the edges of the river, mm-hmm. like in the grasses. So it was slap the bank. All the fish were right there, even the big predators. Yeah, so, but still, the bowline brings the fly downstream, and then it swings across. You know what I mean? Yeah, the current was just going so fast, we were always just fishing back down to ourselves. I'm just saying that. At that time. I mean, like, if it was a little slower, you could definitely use that downward mend and bring that fly back down to yourself. Or Not whatever. even downward mend, just let it go. Let it go. Yeah. That, that's what Tommy is saying. That's why the lead eyes were so effective and jerk strip is so effective with the bowline cast, you know? Mm-hmm. And we heard bowline 85 times in that podcast. You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just, yeah. All, just asking. All the, yeah, the same. It's, you know, you kind of start to, the best fishermen and the best guides out there, they all kind of have the same kind of knowledge. Reason, there's, there's a, a reason. There's a reason they're the best. And they, they get it. Yeah, and I'm betting you a lot of that has to do with the speed of the water, though, too. Look at what sure. Tommy's fishing. Look at what you're fishing. That's completely different. Uh-huh. There's a lot of different speed in there. And you can operate a fly differently with different currents and depths and. You're coming off structure in a Michigan River. You can get down four or five feet. You're going two and a half foot the whole way across, ripping. Yeah, definitely a different. I, you're right. You're absolutely right. And in because I even asked. I said, you know, I I had my fly box in the back of the truck. You know, I was like, I'm not gonna take it. You know, because everybody knew how what they were doing. And but I asked about that, and he's like, no, nah, profile needs to be a little smaller right now. You know, a couple weeks ago it was a little bit bigger. But it's not that big, you know, there. They don't want that big profile. It's not going to work as well, even with the movement. The river, like, wonder it's, just how so, much it's moving so fast there, you got to have something. wonder how much of that, though, you can take back to what you're doing locally. Go to a little All tiny D&D. Uh, um, you know, go to go to. I have a something. bunch of little D&Ds. I even if they're singles or even if they're, like, a number six on the front with, like, an eight in the back. I think nice I need tiny. to start fishing more, like, the, like, more Kelly-style flies. Like there's a like, lot there. Well, I'm <laughs> saying like, whoa, whoa, like, um, I like think uh, the barely legal and yes. and the uh, the peanut envy mm-hmm. or the two that we fish there the most. I often. think the and they peanut. Were the, they I were think the, the peanut envy would be a great fly for where you fish for one main reason. A lot of time that's really clear. There's a lot of sparse and translucentness, and when you're dealing with water that clear, the less gaudy you can make it, yeah. the better it looks to the fish. Mm-hmm. So I mean that there I think that's a great fly that it's just it's a little on the sparse side. And I bought a few wilds out there. I don't blame you. So I think they'll benefit from that. And you saw the the hooks I bought last. They're the smallest in the 26 degree. And I'm wondering too <laughs> that if you guys, I mean, I'll eventually someday make it back out there. No, I'm sure. Go. But if you, you guys owe me a row, but we're gonna I do that do, on the Shenango. I, I absolutely, I 100% do owe you a row. Shenango. Yes, I do. 
Yes, I do. And it'll so, be you, the but, three of us. But I wonder, too, if you don't maybe neck it down a little bit and find what it is. There's always something in every piece of water. What is it? Do they want a little bit of a jig? Do they want a little bit of a drift? They want it ripped out of their face real fast because they're sitting somewhere. There's something there, and once you figure out what it is, you'll find that in each little I, nook and cranny. I think it all's going to change fish. with time of year too. Oh, like absolutely. Like I know in spring where we're fishing, we can absolutely. throw big and 100%. dirty, big 100%. dirty, you Just know, like the ugliest else. thing you got in your box. Yeah. Yep. But, you know, then other times... When but I'm you'll still adapt to that time of the year because once you learn where them fish go to, them big fish are always going to move to that same mm-hmm. area. There's yeah. a reason why. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. You'll get it. The more you're yeah. at it, the more you're going to get it. And, th- and there's a reason how are they going to eat. And why do they want it that way and when. And you might oh, also sure. have to start structuring your floats a little different, too. <laughs> as much as you want to do them that time of the day, maybe you're not going to be able to, you know, but that's we just, that's getting a little technical. We but need to walk uh, in we got to do them that time my, of the day because we do this. Yeah, exactly. My, dad, my dad's been asking me and begging me, like, but let's like, just do go an walk in there. one. Do an evening one. Why don't you know? we just go walk to dark mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. fish into dark and then start swinging some, you know, some big things on top and see what happens. He's like, please, just take me down there before I'm too old to walk down there <laughs> or anywhere. <laughs> we got to go swing something for mice. You and have like, to try We're going to go up and we're going to do this with somebody else here real soon. And that's one of my, you know, next trips, my guided trips might be uh, up in Michigan, I think. So, uh, I, you know, I, I like to take one a year and take my dad somewhere really cool once a year. I get some intel. I'll pass along to you that might be better. Word. But, uh. I, I, I th- you, you've got to try that there. But uh, no, I no, I know. I'm, that's one of our next ones. So. so can can I jump in for sure, just go a ahead, second? Go ahead. Where we're going on vacation here in two weeks. Um, in two weeks we're going to be off, but we got some podcasts lined up to uh to take up that week. Um, I'm going down to Kentucky, and I heard there is nothing but monster trout down there at a a certain tailwater. And that I should be fishing after dark with mice. Just tell where come out of a hatchery. Mm. Uh, there is a, a hatchery that comes through it, but uh, this one, no. That that comes into this river. Gotcha. Yep. So, uh, that's I'm going to tie a bunch of mice up and go da- go there. You should. Yeah. And since I'm on vacation, I'll get drunk at 8 in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know. Take a nap in the afternoon. Take a nap at 1. And then go fishing from 6, 6 p.m. till midnight, you know? And you're going to be where, Chad? And on a, you're going to be on something I've never been on. Oh, we're going on a fucking houseboat, bro. <laughs> it's going to be a cool experience. Have you ever done, you've never been on one before? Or? No, I have not. Does it have like a slide off of it and shit? It has a slide. It has a oh, hot hell t- yeah. It has a hot tub. It's 80 fucking feet long. Wow. You got a yacht. So <laughs> you got a houseboat yacht. Someone said, but you have you have a big party going with you as well. Uh, I don't know how big's the party going with us, Bruce. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you're not a big fan. Too hot. Too oh. hot. <laughs> <laughs> he came in here and just uh, here, Bruce came drink in here. This. You want to come no. talk about the trip? <laughs> so, uh, it's uh, probably nine people, eight nine people. Um, we're going to go, we're going to just hang on the boat. I asked my stepdad and my stepbrothers said, Hey, do we want to go on a fishing trip? Uh, we can do what you want. There are striper in the lake. Um, I reached out to our boy, Dave Hoff. He sent me like three guys names 
and I got crickets back. So there's no striper fishing. Mm. But, you know, we're going to be on a fucking boat. If if I wake up in the morning and I see fish crashing, I'll cast it to fish. I will have a fly rod on deck. But I'm not going to go on a, a fishing trip, quote unquote. But I will be going below that tailwater to try to catch some big browns. On multiple occasions, I hope. Uh, yeah, There's another thing. We're taking an 80-foot houseboat, but how do we get to shore? We're not taking my drift boat. Oh. You know what I mean? What do you mean? You gotta, like... Yeah, you gotta take that fucking 80-foot drift, or that 80-foot houseboat back to shore to get back to shore. Oh, yeah, I understand that, but... You know what I mean? They, they, they sit they, they sit pretty pretty shallow, though. Yeah, they do, to but... To be honest. But how many times do you want to dock one? Uh, at least three times if I have to go fishing for trout. <laughs> like, I don't care. Just drop me up as far as you can take it. I'll just jump and take my shit with the towel. Yeah. Fill a dry bag, Chad. You need to do this. I'm going to definitely... I want to see some fucking trout. I'm going to try my best. There's so. no mosque in this lake? No, 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 no. Not, uh, not that I've heard of. There are, like, real deal stripers. Yeah. And yeah. I think there are some hybrids in there. So that water got to be, like, 85. Real deep. Now. I no, there are some deep-ass lakes. Well, for skis, though, that'd be tough. Yeah. I, I don't know how deep it is. I, I haven't done yeah, that much research. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know the striper dudes are on fire. So, we'll, uh, like I said, we'll see what, what happens. But but the, the, uh, the podcasting will not take a break. Because we're going to do a couple next week. And... We'll just roll one into the... Well, why don't you off. just mention who the upcoming guests are real quick, Chad? Just just don't be a jackass. Okay. Well, hey. Uh, we got Chad Wild coming on. He's going to talk all things Striper and Bufords and writing books. And then we got Andrea Larka, our first female guest. I can't wait to talk to her. Um, I have a giant Andrea Larka sticker on the side of my drift boat. I have a, I have a nice brown trout patch. Sits up. I actually just I stuck it to some sticky stuff like a sticker on my fly time desk. <laughs> like a sticker. <laughs> right to the thing. That's ah, right there. And uh, she's a, another semi-western but Pennsylvania person. She's from Indiana, so it's all good, man. So, Mark, you have been reading a oh, book. I'm gonna mark, knock Mark shit over. Um, you gotta play Scotty doesn't know. Okay. Yeah. So, what are you doing over here with my mic? I, I don't know. Why did you like mic. reach over? Knock it my looked mic like it was over. gonna fall off. Then, like, it was pretty close to fall. It was close to falling off. And then you yeah, knocked it, it over. Yeah, it's like really far off. Uh, you know, I was worried. Okay. That's what they give me, like the real heavy ones. Yeah, I'm a retard. <laughs> you have a base that's like a friggin' lead ball. That wasn't mean to say. <laughs> you can't be. Yeah, yeah. You're born a china closet. <sighs> Not as much as some oh, other yeah. people we know. <clears throat> yeah, I yes. cracked open his book the other day, two days ago, and my wife's like, "What do you want for Father's Day?" I said, like, "You know, it just, just kept bugging me. Get this: 120 Days by Bill Hamlin. So mm. it's." 120 days quest to catch a uh, world record on tackle in Georgian Bay. Two days, I'm through like 54 pages. I mean, like, n- can't put down that good. 
lot of good information in there, and it's just <clears throat> I think depending on how you how you look and you take it, kind of the musky side of you can gather a lot from it. And it's just it's well written, it's very well done, but I think the, on my end, I'm looking at the course of information it, from it's where like you go water temp wise, and what are them fish doing? Okay, now what are them fish doing there? How do I correlate to what I have here? So if they're moving out and they're dropping in deep water, what's my move out drop down to deep water? What temperatures are they doing that at? Yeah, that's a different area, but fish still move on temperature based off the same. You're going to have variances in weeds and so fish and bait fish, yes. Is it a how-to book? Hmm. That's what I was kind of getting at, yeah. Or is it like a, More like a reader's telling. book? I was, I was just thinking, I was trying, that's what I was trying to say just a second ago. Close. Uh, no, this is not a how-to book. This is more of a documentation based off of his observations of 120 consecutive days fishing muskie in, you know, up and down the bay. So he's Which telling a story. So essentially yes. so, yes. but Or like diary entries. Almost diary entry type. Like the diary and of Anne Frank. It's more like, yeah, every chapter's a little different, every segment's a little different. Hmm. I never read Diary of Anne Frank. Hmm. Or nothing about hmm. it. <laughs> it. It's... You know, consecutive days. So, yeah, it's definitely a good read. I mean, that's one that I remember a long time ago we talked to Marlon. There's a couple books. That and Time on the Water by Bill Gardner. This one was 20 bucks. I'll start there. Time <laughs> on the Water by Bill Gardner? It's like a hundred and a half. Not so much. No, not yet. I'm getting there. But there's a lot of good book mentions in here that I've wrote down. going to be ordering them ones in, too, and just start. Doesn't Louis Sprague also have a book? Mm-hmm. Is this mm-hmm. so in print? I don't know. There was uh, an old one, too, from like 1948. There's, a, there's there's quite a few different ones in this book he mentions and references from stuff like he hmm. studied to get to where he is. And hmm. I feel kind of like given the scenario it's at with musky fishing lakes, like I do and a lot of us do, is, I mean, if you're going to figure them out, why not learn from the best? Absolutely. There is everything that they do there. It might not be the same as ours. I'm not going to use it the same as ours, but there's a lot to be learned from it. Even if you pick up a little bit. I mean, gear guys, they catch all the fish. There's a reason why. If they're catching them in them areas, all you can do is position yourself there and keep working different types of flies, different ways, and trying to figure out what it takes to catch them. But if you know where they're at catching them and you get yourself on top of it, there's fish there. They're to be caught. How do you do it? Now you've got to figure out how to do it. And there's a oh, lot of time to be put into that. Oh, sure. But, I mean, just going through, you know, like a outflow system that's stocked full of fish, it's nice. It is, and it fills a void, especially when you're, you know, you get a bottom flow that's cool right now, or in the winter you always have a constant flow so you don't have ice. It's great to fill that void, but trying to learn these fish and catch them in their true habitat with a fly a big difference especially too when you get in the like post spawn area and they start moving around you got to speed up take every advantage you get and there's a lot to be learned from some of the books out there and that one's exceptionally good there like i said i'm only uh, about quarter of the way through it at this point but does he go into different like um even strip speed or like speeds that he would be running his gear at at different times of year it seems like right now, I mean, you're talking about where they're fishing and at the point I'm at in the book is I'm through like the first like 15 days. There's a prelude to it and you have like quite a few pages there, but 
Um, they're still talking like 68 to 71 degree water. Fish okay. still up in river systems and coming out of spawn. Mm-hmm. So they're fishing a lot of like suix, glide bait, mm-hmm. stuff like that, but also burning blades right there too. A lot of the you know, what's been talked about has been guys been getting gear, getting them on burning blades. And that's at 71 degrees. Really? So them fish are moving fast at that, at that temp already. I bet I could get one burning blades in a ripple this weekend. Oh, I'm Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I think so. That's what I might put my wife on. I'm going to strip some flies. But. 100% you could. That that whopper plopper Jace gave the mark, mm-hmm. that thing would crush muskies. Ah, it, one, of them, one of the rods already has a, Jesus, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Tiger or fire tiger. tiger? There you tiger. go. Yeah, the the tiger. tiger King. It's, it's a Tiger King, man. It's not fire tiger. Uh, like a, I don't know, a seven maybe. Uh, Rapala. That's perfect. Christine. So yeah. Rip it. Gonna be like with something. I, it doesn't. Who knows what it'll be? But you know, she's gonna catch something. Something in that. Something. Yeah. Throw a light single Buford. Rip it fast. Double over and across that riffle. You'll catch one. Jesus. Yeah, I know. Boom. I know. Mm-hmm. Or something mm-hmm. with a baccarini tail, even. Mm-hmm. Just rip it through mm-hmm. there fast. Yep. It's right back. <laughs> yep. Bam. Yeah, you might, I've, I've might as well be this. ripping a Mr. Twister. <laughs> exactly, dude. <laughs> hey, hey, what works, works. Exactly. It works. Yep. That's they why do. I compared they to work. Mr. Twister. Because yeah. they work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah, so, my dad, he said he wanted to go chuck some gear down there, maybe, too, so. Do you guys need a bait caster? Nah, nah. I don't. I don't use those things. I they're like they're like the center pinning rods to me. I don't <laughs> fucking use those things. They're super effective. I can't. They use are. Them. They're can't. so fast. Like they're super they effective. are. I can't they use are. It. Hey, hey, fuck that! I'm a fly fisherman. <laughs> if I was trying to catch fish effectively, I'd I'd just be using a gear rod all the time. But your dad wants to throw gear. He's going to. He likes. He he uh, he can. I don't know if he uses a bait caster or not. He never used one before, so. Okay. Well, I have one if he, if he wants to throw gear. It's strung up with 60-pound braid. Oh, jeez. It's it's ready for musky fishing, bro. Oh, sure, <laughs> sure. When my, my I hurt my elbow a couple of years ago, I made a musky gear rod. <laughs> you can take that big hog I got. Yeah. <laughs> I got I got some medium medium heavy rods. Like I said, the one I have is a lot lighter than the one Mark has, but it's still oh, it's a flipping stick. That's a short beef stick for throwing I pounders. Like, I I also like the uh, husky jerk. If we're gonna you know, just man. Speaking of our guest next week, Chad the rattle Wild inside. No, Jeez, okay. Chad Wild. Mm-hmm. When UJ and myself and Chad Wild were uh-huh. a Beast of the East tournament team. Yes, sir. One of the greatest weekends of my life. Our name was the Husky Jerks. <laughs> they catch nice. fish. <laughs> because we were funny and we were all anything. tubby. <laughs> not so on they the Husky catch Jerks. fish. You guys didn't catch fish. No, anything. not that. No. It, oh. was, it was some seriously tough conditions. It was really low, really clear. And it we were really with, having a lot of fun. It was really <laughs> shitty for even trout. We were having a lot of uh, fun. That was the year that... Um, Eric caught the fifty the huge 50 giant fish, but those guys, those guys know that river. That was one of the first times I had ever been on that river, and yeah. we didn't know where and what and how, you know. Now we, you know, you float that river every year for year in year out. You start to, you know, yep. learn, learn the good spots and learn where you should have been, where you're supposed to be, and where you can go. 
Yeah. It'll be weird this year not having you on the boat. I know. But the nice part is, is we had Nick last year. This year I got Nick. It's going to be gonna be fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Um, And another good thing is, I'm going down to the new, the new river the week before. Mm. You actually going to fish? Fuck no. We're doing a... Uh, Ernie Earmuffs, if you're listening, we're going to do the whitewater rafting deal. Mm. Oh, cool. That should be a good time. Yeah. Cool. So... Have you ever whitewater rafted? I have not, but I'm going to fucking bump that guy out of the guy's Jeez, like, Give me that board, bro. <laughs> it's not like that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's different, man. Everybody has to work together, and there are like two sides of, I don't know how many people are per boat, like, or I, what's going on. I don't know. I've never done it. Uh, I, like I'm saying, yeah, like, it's there more are like different, canoe style with people. There are on different, the sides. yeah, there are like different, like, like, uh, we went on like a like a very with a bunch of different people, and they let us all go through all the things down at Ohio Pile, and it was fun. It, I fell out of the boat. I wasn't taking it seriously enough, and we smashed a rock. Everyone flying out of the boat. My sister and my wife pulled me back in. You know, I'm like holding my oar back out. I'm like, well, help me! I'm like, I'm gonna die. <laughs> it was like a class three rapid or something. I went through silly. down there super low. It was. We went in the springtime. It was up. It, I mean, it was fun. The was one was a class four. At the time, you know, it would, you know, there was like a cliff edge. It would suck you like five feet underneath the cliff. They would, they said. I mean, we went right through it spinning. I mean, it was fine. That's I mean, cool. Now knowing what we know now, like of rowing, like I would have rowed my boat right yeah. next to that thing and just you know fucking ferry yeah, it along. Yeah, but you know when you got your sister and a brother and this other person and all these other people and they're all trying to work together. <laughs> They're all trying to work together like assholes, like, bro, this happened. And it's a little more, you know, when you're doing it yourself, it's a little easier. But good luck. It's fun. The new rivers. Yeah, the new river's pretty intense. I just hope in the fall we get the amount of water, you know? Yeah. To, to make it intense. Yeah, because if not, it'll be. It'll just be a piss trickle. And you never know. I don't know that much I, about down yeah, there. Yeah, I, like, I don't know anything about the new river. So it, it's, it's probably pretty pretty aggressive. It's one extra beer. Does it come out of a... Uh, I just got a tipsy tomato, so... Jay, you're um, the you have an extra beer? <laughs> so you have one for yourself? I'd rather go home with an empty cooler than one with one All right, beer. well, I mean, if you're going to twist my arm, I'm going to drink this beer. Well, I think we're having a chip steak here as soon as we're done doing the, the broadcast, guys. So if you guys I don't know, hungry. i got to ask my wife what everybody else is doing. But yeah, oh, so. got to ask my wife. Well, duh. <laughs> I was working. <laughs> Mark said, bitch, get to work. <laughs> Gee, did you just say that? Gosh. Nobody is sacred. Oh, I every night you got to go to work. Long yet? Jeez. God, Chad. You're, There's uh, been a lot of that lately. What, time flies? Time flies. Yeah, you've had oh, yeah. a couple giant orders going out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot more being added, too. and <coughs> But speaking of our guest next week, Chad Wild, he's been doing a lot of them, fishing for stripers and uh, Devon up in can uh, right, right, right on the Connecticut New York border. So yeah, there's a guide service up there. Yeah, man, you, you guys looked that up. Well, you, I, I, actually, I don't know if we talked about it last week. You left that little fly on my desk or on the thing. Did I talk about that? Uh, we didn't talk about how that thing swam. Yeah. We, that's going to be something yeah, that coming was, soon. Man, that's yeah, that's a nice little mini Buford. It's, it's going to Angler, some detail. Angler's Den. 
So Angler's Den is where he guides well, out. Well, when of. I was talking to Mark about it, and I was telling him just what I'd seen and what I liked, and it, the sparseness or like the consistency that you used on the head for that, because mm-hmm. I fish it on a floating line. But if I had a sinking line, oh, I and I, you would see what it would do when she would see it kind of all fall and sink anyway. Nope. But you kind of got to distribute that too, based off of what's behind it, you know. So if you don't got much back there, you can't put much in the head, or it's never going to get down. Or you put too little, and it's just going to pull in straight. So yeah, it had a good there's always a happy medium with it, and that's like why I have a river head, why I have a lake head. Every one of them's a little bit different. So there's a reason behind it. It just depends on what the situation is. You're never going to fish muskie the exact same every single place you go. And there's mm-hmm. a reason you accommodate the fly for it and the line for it. And that's one thing too is I updated too on the website. It's kind of little description as to what they're intended for. I think that would kill smallmouth. Oh, especially in the springtime. Springtime yeah. smallmouth? Yep. With, oh, my God, yes. If you weren't going to yeah. throw a clouser, throw a full sink with but that. But what I'm thinking with is, obviously, I mean, the reason it was kind of started back up again was for stripers, for fish and saltwater stripers, mm-hmm. but also pike. That'll kill pike oh, year-round. Yeah. Year pickerel, which some stupid things we got here. Largemouth. There's nothing really around. Nothing around is not getting a two-watt Buford no, head. Five and a half inch. Swims like a glide bait. Mm-hmm. Works itself right back. Gives a nice side profile every time. Good place for them to hammer. It's broadside. Yeah, man. But, it looks like a bass assassin or a fluke. The yeah. way it swims. Boom, boom, boom. Side to side. Boom, boom, boom. And nothing's going to not eat it. No, and then if you pull it real quick because of that type of head, it wants to like pull itself up, so it gets that little wiggle tail, like that frantic action. So it, and then boom, stop, and then it broadsides itself right there. Boom, eat me. Speaking of the wiggle tail, have you tried the the paddle tail yet? No, and that is something that I definitely do. I I, I really think that would be good with a Buford head and how it would work, and I definitely need to get more into that. I, There's a lot of kind of little synthetics and different types of things that I am going to get more into. I'm kind of going little by little here. I've been thinking <laughs> as I change part pieces and parts at work, my mind drifts away from from pieces and parts and thinks about what would swim better. Yep. And those paddle tails are going to swim on well, a lot of the flies that we tie, mm-hmm. and they're going to be great. It's just and the nice thing that I like about that is. Let's say like the flies I have now and the way I'm kind of incorporating. I mean, I'm tying literally 25, 30 hours a week on top of what I'm working full time. And it's all doing the same thing. So I've got that dialed there. I'm not going to go try to go do this design or this style or this or that. There's guys for that. You say, hey, I want to fly. It's like this. There's there's somebody. Yeah, there's a dude that. does that. But as of Buford's Hoy down to the minnow heads now and everything of that nature, Take that and dial it and just stick with it. That's what I know how to tie. That's what I fish. Just like Josh said, that is what he fishes. These are what I'm fishing. These are the flies that I use. I know they work. This is how they work. This is how you use them to make them work right. And it's better. I would rather stick with something like that than trying to dance around from different types of patterns and styles. Yeah, you're not a game changer tire, you know? But then to be said, though, too, you can. <clears throat> I've caught quite a fish on the game changers. Yeah, 
But um, bucktail-wise, though, I'm but, not going to sit there and wrap it in synthetic and do all that. I'm not Chris. I'm not Tony or anything of that nature. Exactly. A bucktail game changer, where it's just buck. I mean, a wrap the body like with the um, with like the chenille or what? Um, what I'm trying to think. What am I blanking out? Uh, filler flash. Yeah, like, like the that. long stuff, like the yeah. two inch or, or polar like fiber. Polar fiber. Yeah. Yep. And it, they work very effectively. That stuff I do. I'm not getting into all that fancy. No, it, exactly. That's not the. That's not what you're known for. You're known for Buford heads. Buford throwing the buck. No, tying tying with deer hair is what you're known for, or what you do well. And mm. I, I love it too. I you know even as I was telling somebody the other day, I was like, I don't know who the hell it was. It was like, man, I as sick even it makes me if I do it when I'm you know in the allergy season. I'm you're like, telling me I'm like dying. Yeah, but. Man, there's something just about like love it. pushing back the deer hair, manipulating the fibers, and like I love it. I, I do too. Like even hollow flies, anything like it's just something about it that like so it's it's and, awesome. I really do enjoy it. And that's one thing is like I don't production style tie. I do take a while to tie flies. I mean, I keep everything within reasons of what the lead time is and everything that. I mean, I'm only like I holding it about a week, but it seems that that's gonna. Maybe pushed out a little bit further, but I'm going to take my time with them. Yeah. Every one is going to be done exact. They're better than the ones that are in my box. If I send you a fly, it is better than what's in my box because what is in there are flies that I'm probably not happy with, flies that I'm testing, trying, or I just had extra time just to tie up stuff. But everything that goes out is better than what's in there, and I'm not going to sacrifice. I'm not going to turn it into work. The reason I'm trying to push it as far as I am and incorporate many different things into it and build it is to get away from the work because, I mean, it's just uh, spending as much time on the water as I can. It's still never enough for me. No, hell no. It, it, it never is. But <laughs> COVID I've, only provided I've enough for me. I've put a lot of time in and I've worked a lot of different jobs. I've, ran a, I mean, I've started a couple of different things and it's just at that point where it's like, this got a bite. Yeah. And I'm not going to turn it into work. Even if it takes me a little longer, if I gotta tie eleven hours a day to make what I would make in eight hours, so be it. But at least I'm tying flies. At and least I'm you're pro- sitting and in I'm your providing house. good quality work, and I'm not gonna sacrifice that kind of work. I mean, every fly that comes off, I try to make it as as best that I can possibly put off. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have Chad yeah. and I tying your flies at, in your basement as Mexicans workers. Yeah, that'd be sweet. <laughs> I love it. I could use you right now too. I don't work for Mexican wages. <laughs> Uh, I'll give you about four dollars an hour and uh, a couple yeah. Miller highlights. Oh, oh come I'm on, easy. Yeah. We're good now. <laughs> but I'd rather take forty minutes to tie a single and do it exactly the way I want it than tie thirty minutes just to pump it out. Oh sure. Are you ever Mark's fly? No, I'm itching. Well, my I wish. Well, like the way, the way no. your arm was. I wouldn't be out. sitting here as calm as I am nah. right now if he was. I thought Mark was too messy. <laughs> the guy, the kid at work, you know, he doesn't. He wears pants, and I'm like, nah, man, hell with that. I'm wearing like short shorts out there, like shit. I'm wearing my Daisy Dukes right now. It's 900 fucking degrees out here, dude. My you kidding la- me? My last couple years roofing where you're at now. I was Daisy Duking all the time, oh, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, dude. Yeah, I, I just, uh, sorry to you know, rip That's you out of, like, no, no, some really good, great, great funny. fishing talk. That's but, funny. But, you know, I'm out there, and, like, some diggers, I'm like, I don't know how, the f- how your ass is, like, surviving this right now, dude. This is, like, a, like crazy heat. Like, uh, you know, we don't, this has been the driest, hottest it's been forever. Like, our, our water levels are, like, to oh. all-time low. And we haven't had that f- 
the last few couple years have been like a monsoon. Rainy seasons. Yeah. We but had a cold spring, but our creeks are shot. Yeah, I'm out there in the nothing. <laughs> you know? It oh, is wet weight season just to cool oh, down geez, right oh, now. Yeah. Chad was ready to take a, take a, like, seriously, he was like, I might just jump in and, like, row on the PCBs, back backstroke, mm-hmm. get back in. Yeah. Mike tossed put, me out of the boat. Like, put cutting did. be damned. <laughs> yeah. so I said, put your shoes on if you go outside, Chad. Mm. Go outside the boat. <laughs> One thing, too, that I want to hit on is if you need all those dwarf feathers, I am no longer selling anything of that nature. No? Mm-mm. Okay. If you don't know, now you know. No. They are still being produced, and I'm still getting them, but just not selling them. No, I can't keep up with what what there is that I need to do right now to be able to sell. So I took them off the website. Okay, so you guys heard it here first. Mark's where putting, else would you hear it at? Mark's putting out flies. <laughs> <laughs> this is where it is, man. <laughs> so but speaking, oh good. what. No. Oh, no, I say, speaking of low water, though, I went out last night with uh, our local legend, Ted, and he has this little spot in the little creek that he always likes to go to, but he doesn't like to go by himself, so it's always, come on, let's, let's go. Finally made a time for him, like, all right, I can get this day caught up, I got all the flies done Monday, everything's out, everything's good, let's go. Um, I got, I forget what I had, oh, Tuesday, I had what, get stuff done on the website, Wednesday, I'm open, let's go. So we run down there, and... I cross over the first bridge. I'm like, oh, this is bad. Cross over the second bridge. I'm like, this is worse. We <laughs> pull in the parking lot. I'm like, this is going to be tough as nails. He's like, this is impossible tonight. We get there. There's no water, low and clear. Working at the first pull and kind of fishing. Uh, he's tying on, so I'm working slow. He's running a 10-foot four-way check nymph and everything, which is kind of perfect for them. Mm-hmm. It's log jams and little tiny like mm-hmm. riffle runs with small little pulls. And smallly Doing sit the crayfish all, hop. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. And smallly sit all through it. He goes through the first pole, whacks a trout. We go up in the second one. I get up against this log jam. Little smallie comes out, eats a clouser. So we work our way up through, and uh, nothing. It is just even like the areas that were like covered dark and like up underneath log jams. You're like, all right, something's gonna come up out of there. Nothing. Work our way the whole way up, and you know where, the, like, the log's laying down up above. So, you know, you, like, you you walk up past where the um, cams are. You bear to the left, and then you bend back up to the right, and you have that long run along the, along the opposite side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right above that, there's that tree that's laying mm-hmm. down. Oh, and yeah. I'm, like, waiting. It's, like, up to my stomach at this point because hmm. I'm roasting hot. I'm, like, I'm going balls deep here. I need to pull <laughs> you down. You got to, man. So I, I wait up. Going balls deep. I wait up against <laughs> yeah. this log, and I'm, like, flipping over my head and jigging it down through this uh-huh. ripple. But off the log comes another arm of it, and I go right up underneath, and I hook this fish. I'm, like, you got to be kidding me. And I hook him, and it's under the length of the rod tip. But there's an ar- there's an arm coming off of the log, my legs resting on the log, and at this point, this fish can't be much more like 18 inches from my foot, and it's like under me. So the rod's bent in half, I strip him back up out of there, he turns right and goes right into the log jam, makes like two turns. Got to see this for Little Creek, like a 13-inch fish, 12, 13. Solid. Good. Solid. Goes around log jam, breaks it off. So I go up a little further, catch a smallmouth, I turn, here's a carp. Perfect. Oh, yes. It's black. He's working his way slow. He can't see me. I lay it down and just sit it there. And he's just swimming up, swimming up, swimming up, swimming up. 
Twitch, 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 eats it. Forget I have six pounds on. Snap. (laughs) 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 He swims right off with it. Big fly. Thank you. Big fly hanging (laughs) his rubber lip. He got a nice little olive over yellow clouser in his mouth. Something I did, uh, (laughs) I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned this last week in the podcast, but Ted, Ted, I mentioned Ted with when I was talking to Kelly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, you know, Ted local Kelly guy. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good and he said, thick man, and yes, and he said he made my books. He, you know, the the picture. I mean, it was just greatness. Yeah, his photography was awesome. It was amazing. So it I was did nice mention him, to and you told me. I know you, Ted, said to mention him and say hello, yep. tell him to say hello. So I did say that for him. And it, and it was great to spend some time on the water with him again. And no, we gotta get him on the raft more. for smallmouth, man. We really need to. We need to, and that would be a lot of fun. And in the way that he's kind of I'm adapted, learn. <laughs> he, he fishes a local river and he he dims it now. That's just the way that it is. He's fishing with a check, and he's doing it in the last couple weeks when the temperatures kind of fluctuated. We got a little difference in water. Oh, he did well. He picked up a couple good upper teens fish. Pushing. When we struggle, he's doing well. Exactly. Exactly. He's feeding the fish well, and he, he's kind of at this point figured out what here's how what I got to do to but put up get numbers. I can't get it. They're just moving. It's just he's he he watches <laughs> them things all the time. It's hysterical. Those are his neighbors. He's down Man. there on the regular. He has a lot of a lot of good areas he fishes through, and he does well. This year, notice just from what I've noticed, and I've floated the river for smallmouth for you know a bit of the season now. And man, like I like spring fishing. Mm-hmm. I like spring fishing. I want seven hundred. <laughs> I want seven hundred and moving along, man. Down it and with the clouser, I'm, I'm gonna maul these fish. These fish, I cannot. They're not gonna stand a chance. They're gonna be all over the places I know they're gonna be. And now it's two hundred is not as effective. You can catch little ones on poppers, and yeah. there might be a fish or two if you swim a big fly, but it's, it's, man, it's a little tougher. I like the spring. Just like a muskie, you're going to catch them first <laughs> yeah. thing in the morning <laughs> or last thing at night yeah. or in dark. That's you're not going to catch them any other time. They're uh, just anchored in. They're right. done. So, that's why Tuesday I sent you guys that text message said, we should have had this on Sunday. No kidding. You know, mm-hmm. it was, they raised it for 400. It's back down to like, oh, that'd have been perfect. Right yeah. That'd have been just enough to set them off. Even yeah. Even if yep. it's one day, because it's like, they know. It, it was up for three days. Yeah. I don't know why they bumped it up. We had, we've had no rain. No. But Pittsburgh also hasn't had any rain. Exactly. You know what I mean? They made it, they made any more water in a river system down but there on barges. That, that 300 extra CFS per second would have fucking set us off man oh, oh for sure that would have been great it was two days after we floated yeah <laughs> so what are you gonna it's do it's kind of tough right now because gotta work lake no, nothing you can't do anything likewise it might dang near be done for what i consider i mean it's holding 75 with 90 during the day right now every day is worse and worse and worse and worse yeah, yeah. it's not getting any better i mean i left a, a lake that's the hoy up north at 75 last Saturday, and it's been nothing but mid-80s plus every day. No rain, that's no what, cold yeah, nights, no that's nothing. I was kind of worried about even just Don't even it. the creek, you know, going down there. It's like, that man. Be, yeah. It was at 72 the other day. I checked it. Bad. I was talking to Abby. You know, I was like, yeah, I'll, we'll check the temp, you know, just to make sure. I'm not going to go down there if it's way up high. Hell, you know, I don't have that. I'll just go walk a little creek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that, all an option. That's why I'm going carp fishing tomorrow. Yeah, the, the carp don't, and the, but they don't make any lactic acid. That's why they they're should. fucking invasives. Who cares, even if they did? I was just saying that's you why know? they're so strong, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but they're invasives. Oh, they're so awesome. Who, so who cares? 
Oh, if we that, kill one, uh, oh, whoops. <laughs> uh, drop an elbow on it. Yeah. Throw, it in, throw it in the parking Let's see. lot. I, I would love to see you guys catch a you car. Just sell it in the parking lot. Yeah, sure. Who's <laughs> gonna buy it? Hey, you want the car? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Could be dang good salesman sell a carp in a parking lot of Erie. Who knows? <laughs> uh, where are you going out? Hey, who's coming over Saturday for uh for parties? We're having carp. We're having carp. <laughs> So, but yeah, I, like I said, I get some gar flies tied up. I got one tied on to my my rod right now. The six weights tied with a gar fly. Are you gonna be too drunk to show up to Uncle Scott tomorrow? We're not meeting till nine o'clock. Oh, you'll be good. Yeah, get I'm golden. Sleep. Get your go- Yeah, get your sleep. I'm golden. Don't throw up in the morning. Get going. Uh, last time I threw up and went fishing with Scott, we didn't do that well. Mm. And we met at nine o'clock. Mm. So. Uh oh! Don't throw up. You guys all have opportunity tomorrow. Yeah, yeah we're and we're gonna be in the drift boat, so it's gonna be fun no matter what. Just two of you? Yeah. Just the two of us. I was gonna ask Jace if you want to go tonight, but he didn't show up, so just the two of us. I got a pee, is that what we got? I got a pee too. Okay. Yeah, so tonight's show brought to us by Predator Flagger. Check them out at PredatorFlagger.com. Arex hooks. Sims Fishing. Get all your outdoor gear at simsfishing.com. Uh, tonight's show has been recorded live from the Urban Fly Company studios. Check them out at urbanflycompany.com. And why not fishing? Check out their after dark. Queen City Guiding. Trout flies, all kinds of different flies. Go check out queencityguiding.com.